Hey guys, this is Jimmy Thorpe for Breathe Upon Waking and Coffee with Coach. I really appreciate you watching slash listening to this. Um, any liking or sharing or subscribing would be so appreciated. Um, in this episode, I'm so honored and thankful I get to talk to uh, the legend, Stan Spiro. This guy has many years of coaching experience and just such a wealth of knowledge um, around working with teams and players. So um, I'm really, really thankful I get to do this one. And thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy it. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, right here. Can you see it? Cheers. Cheers, man. Cheers. Hey, well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I'm calling this uh, uh, Coffee with Coach. And I'm kind of using this time um, that we have at home right now. Um, you know, I, I just start, I just got back into coaching um, this past year. So I'm kind of using this time to learn. I love uh, learning from other people. And, and so I'm, I'm using this time kind of selfishly to, to pick the brain of people that I admire, other coaches, other leaders in the community, um, to see what I can get from them. Um, and one thing I did on Facebook is I reached out and and ask the community what some questions would be um, about coaching, about leadership. Um, so I have a couple of questions that people have asked that I'm going to use here in the interview. But before I get to that, you know, I just really want to say that um, I'm so thankful to have you on. I truly admire what you've done, what you've accomplished. Um, we've actually never, never spoken or never met. Um, but I, I've certainly been to a lot of games to watch you coach. Um, so, so thank you for being here. I'm quite welcome. Uh, you sure you want to uh, get into coaching? You have a, <laughs> uh, you have all your hair. I was like that 35, 40 years ago. <laughs> so be careful. Well, it's starting to go gray, um, and I'm losing a little bit here, but. But yeah, I think uh, I really enjoy the process and, you know, the process and the journey of, of trying to grow something. You know, I really believe in that and, and I love that process. So, yeah. Good for you. You know, it's a great profession. Uh, and again, forget the wins and losses, the impact you're going to have on uh, young kids and athletes, you know, going through the process of going through high school, uh, to me, is probably more important than any championship, any win, uh, or, you know, or any loss. Uh, you're going to be, you're going to be very good at it. From what I heard, Coach Foley told me all about you and, uh, <laughs> best of luck. Thank you. Um, speaking about coaching, I, I saw a quote that you said, uh, this was at your press conference for, for, for the retirement from coaching. <clears throat> And there was a quote that you said that kind of struck me, and it's, it's kind of tied into what you're talking about there, uh, or to spending a lot of time with coaching. And you said, coaching is the last breed of cowboy left in this country. And uh, I'm wondering if you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, people don't realize uh, the work, the time, uh, the time away from home, time away from family that this profession uh, uh, gives um, uh, a lot of times, you know, to be successful, uh, you have to go on the road, you know, high school, a lot of it, you know, has to do with, uh, with going out. You're not recruiting, but you're actually 
spending time, summer leagues, uh, spending time, you know, before the season, you know, preparing, uh, going out and scouting. And a lot of times you're all alone, you uh, in the car or you in some lonely gymnasium. And uh, especially, you know, in years past, you know, when I had to get in my car and drive to New York or New Jersey, Connecticut to recruit, you are a cowboy. You're lonely. You're by yourself. And uh, you become the last breed of cowboy. Now, a lot of, a lot of stuff has changed since then, you know, with film and videos and the Internet and so forth. But, uh, you know, I remember the days where no cell phones. I would get lost in New York City, stop on the side of the road, put a dime in, and, you know, call to see if I can get the right direction. So that's what I was meaning by the last breed of cowboy left. Because a lot of times you're going to be alone at home in the cellar watching video of what happened the night before, especially loss. You know, you can't go to sleep. Uh, and uh, uh, that's what I meant by it. Yeah, I, I can appreciate a lot of that. Um, considering the balance between kind of family life and coaching, um, is do you have any regrets with kind of spending so much time on coaching, on basketball? Uh, you know, you look back at it, and uh, and again, now that I have six, you know, grandkids, you know, I want to spend as much time as possible because it was tough, you know, for my family early. Uh, when I was coaching at Central, I had twin daughters and then a son, you know, two years later. So I had three young ones. And then uh, you'd be coming back from a road trip to Keene, uh, driving up Temple Mountain. You know, you would always think, you know, what am I missing? Uh, you know, missing recitals, uh, missing uh, uh, pulling out a tooth. You know, my wife coming home telling me, oh, uh, Christina or Kelly or Chuck lost a tooth. Uh, and all of a sudden you feel you know, a bit guilty. But on the other hand, uh, uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you have to be happy with what, with what you're doing. If I, if I would have divorced myself from coaching, I really don't think I would have been you know, uh, very comfortable or happy. And it would have reflected on the family. So you have to do uh, what you're happy with. And, you and your family certainly has to accept uh, yeah, the long hours away from home. Yeah, that's true. I, I can yeah, see and you have to marry the right person to accept <laughs> that. Comes down to a lot of communication. Oh, no question. Because it's not an easy profession. You know, you, uh, especially the, uh, the losses are tough. You know, sometimes there's a tendency, human nature, to bring the losses home. Uh, a lot of times, once the kids get a little bit older, they bring them home also. You know, coming to a game and and uh, seeing, you know, their father down and out, you know, after a loss or, um, uh, and again, there's, there's nothing in between with coaching. The highs are, are so high and the lows are so low. It's like a roller coaster ride. You, and uh, there's nothing in between. And certainly the family, uh, ha uh, it has an impact on the family, though, those up and down, you know, uh, turbulent times, you know, during those five or six months. Speaking of family, can you take me back all the way to Greece where you started and talk about your childhood a little bit and, you know, how you got here, what that was like, and how you got into basketball, how you got into coaching? Yeah, I was born in Greece, um, uh, 1951. Um, my family came over piecemeal. 
one at a time, two at a time. Uh, my oldest brothers came. My mother came because she was an American citizen. She was born here um, uh, in America. So she had a, you know, after the war and after the civil war in Greece, uh, they burned the village down. There was nothing there for my family. So my mother brought my oldest brother to America who, you know, who could work in the sweatshops. They saved enough money, brought my father the following year in 1955. Then when my other brother was 16, they brought him over to work. And then they came back and, you know, brought my sister uh, and I over in 1960 when I was nine years old. So we actually, we came over to this great country, you know, piecemeal, one by one. And um, when I left Greece, there was no basketball. Uh, it's a small village. You know, I was into soccer, loved soccer. I came to America. There was no so no soccer, no soccer leagues. Yeah. I would go down. I lived in the inner city, went down to the park and fell in love with a game of basketball. And uh, since, you know, my family, they were all working in the sweatshops and coming home at 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. I would be at the park, you know, all day. Uh, again, I didn't have any friends. That ball became my friend, uh, became my guardian. And uh, it was tough. You know, the first couple of years, you couldn't speak the language and you wouldn't be picked, you know, uh, to play in the games. Uh, you'd be watching from the side. They would leave. I would practice. And then finally, when I got good enough, you know how it is, you know, when you're in a schoolyard. Once you become good enough, it doesn't matter the language barrier. It doesn't matter the differences, you know, the cultural stuff. You know, you want to win. I became good enough, and I was, and that's how, you know, I finally fit in. And then uh, when I went to grammar school, I had a, a great coach who uh, introduced me, kept me on the team as a sixth grader. Back then, we didn't have junior highs. We went up to the eighth grade. Uh, kept me on as a sixth grader playing against eighth grade kids and uh, fell in love with it. And uh, it's been a, you know, a great ride. You know, I had a great coach also in high school, uh, Eddie Wade. Um, and, uh, and the impact that, you know, those people had in my early life to fall in love with a game. I was really impressed the way they handled themselves, the way they treated kids. And uh, I learned a lot you know, from those years playing uh, for Eddie Wade and also Eddie Ganim in, in grammar school. Um, so watching you coach, you know, I used to go to a lot of the games <clears throat> at Southern New Hampshire University and I would bring a lot of friends and, but, but a lot of times I would sit, we would sit behind the bench and, and I would go to watch you sometimes more than the game. Um, it was great to watch just the intensity and the passion and the engagement. But I'm wondering if, if the immigrant story, the chip on the shoulder translated to your coaching philosophy or styles at all. Yeah. And there's no question, you know, you're always an underdog. Anytime you come from another country, different culture. Uh, like I said, I couldn't speak the language. You would go, you know, uh, I was, I came over, I was in the third grade. You would go off for races and you know how kids are at that age, and uh, they would push you. I would go in the corner by myself, and uh, and you develop that chip. And the only way you can uh, be accepted is to be good at something. And uh, and certainly, I worked at the game. Like I said, you know, if we, 
snow, rain, sleet. I would be out at the park, you know, just, you know, me and that basketball. And certainly, as I said before, once you become uh, good at it, uh, it opens up, you know, a lot of doors, especially with friendships uh, and so on. And uh, like I said, uh, there's not a better game. Uh, and when you, I got into coaching, I did have that chip. And um, you're a, you know, you compete. Uh, if you're going to win in that game, you have to be a competitor. Uh, you know, you, you come in. And also you have to be a teacher. Those two hours, two and a half hours, you know, uh, you're, you're teaching, you're parenting. Nowadays you're playing, you know, different roles. You're a psychiatrist, psychologist. Uh, there's a lot more issues than when you and I, you know, grew up. And uh, you have to wear all those hats on a daily basis. Interesting. Um, this makes me think of, of one of the questions that I got um, from from a friend through Facebook. And I'd like to ask you. Okay. Um, this is from uh, Tom Lamb. And he asked, what is the line of pushing a kid to find their maximum potential? and hugging up to a kid who needs confidence to get their potential. And a longtime coach once told him, it's not the W's in the end, it's how many weddings you get invited to. So what's the balance between like really pushing kids, challenging them, but also kind of coddling and and encouraging and and loving them? You you can have uh, discipline without tears. my philosophy was whatever happens in that gymnasium for those two, two and a half hours, three hours, uh, is to make you guys better. Uh, once you get personal, then it's a different story. And I tried, you know, during my 44 years of coaching, never to really get personal with my discipline, never to get personal with uh, uh, someone's uh, lack of talent. Uh, because you can't fool kids. I don't know if you've ever taught or been in the classroom. I taught for 11 years at Central High School. You cannot fool the kids. You might fool an administrator or somebody that comes in uh, that does the evaluations, but you can never fool the kids. So if you're honest, upfront, and consistent with your discipline, with your everyday messaging, I think you're going to be successful. It's, you know, those that want to be, and I always tell, you know, young coaches, you know, I remember uh, when I was growing up uh, getting in, into the profession, um, I caught myself trying to imitate Bobby Knight. And I remember my high school coach, uh, Eddie Way, telling me, be yourself. Coach to your own personality. Uh, don't try to be John Wooden on one extreme and don't be Bobby Knight. Be you. And that's probably the greatest lesson I received uh, from anyone in terms of, and this is what I try to preach to young coaches, be yourself, coach to your personality. Don't try to be a Stan Sparrow. Don't try to be, um, uh, you know, a red R back or, you know, mm-hmm. whoever, you know, you're impressed with, uh, or Mike Krzyzewski, <clears throat> they, Mike coaches to his personality. John Calipari coaches to his, that's why they're uh, so, uh, successful and consistent. Tom Izzo, who I think is, you know, one of the best coaches. You know, he's tough on the kids, but you see him a lot of times putting his hand around them. And afterwards, after practice, no matter what was said and done at that practice, your office has always have, 
has to be open for them that uh, you know to have the uh, the ability to come in to talk to you or joke or cry you know because there's a lot of factors that come in a lot of emotions that come into a daily practice or you know post game uh, uh, in your office. Yes, I could see how how being you and doing it your own way, using your own personality, you know, that's definitely connected to the kids reading you too, because they can sense if you're trying to do something that isn't organic and natural to you. So you got to do what you can do best to actually reach your own true potential as a coach and, and to be able to connect with the kids. So it's authentic. I guess. Well, coach, you know, I remember once, you know, years ago, uh, I went off on the sidelines and somebody wrote an anonymous letter. Uh, it was a local game, by the way, the anonymous letter that I was using uh, some language berating supposedly a kid, blah, blah, anonymous letter. And I was called in and I was told, you know, hey, listen, you know, uh, I said, it's anonymous. That's my personality. Go and talk to that student athlete, see if he was offended by what I said. Uh, so I continue doing, doing it my own way. And thankfully, to be quite honest with you, and again, uh, I know you're coaching at Concord High School. It's a great, uh, great tradition, great school, great community. Uh, you have to be at the right place. I was fortunate that I was at the right place where my personality can come out every day, whether it was on the practice court, whether it was in the community, or whether it, you know it was during games. Uh, that was me, and nobody kept me from being. A little bit of a technology issue here. I don't know if you heard me, but um, I got. I got cut off a little bit, but I think we're good now. Okay. Um, so basically what you were saying was the place is important, the environment's important, and to be accepted into the community actually allows you to, to kind of blossom and do your thing. Right. Uh, like I said, you know, I evolved with the school back in 1985 when I was <coughs> hired at New Hampshire College. We had three buildings on campus. Uh, and to be quite honest with you, my first two or three years, I was concerned I might be back at Central High School teaching because the school was about to go under financially. And uh, <clears throat> I thought, uh, you know, growing with a school, being in a situation where they allowed you to be yourself, coach to your personality, allowed me to go out in the community, do clinics, um, uh, work getting TV contracts, work getting some radio stuff. And uh, I know we were a small part of uh, that process growing, you know, into the Southern New Hampshire University. But, I, you know, I thought our program played a role uh, during some tough times and uh, being a key player in the community throughout the state and, uh, you know, having a product that people could be proud of. Speaking of the tough times and kind of the doldrums, if, if you're in a program that's, that's struggling or, you know, under 500 um, and you get a lot, of, a lot of those locker room talks after losses, um, I got a question from my sister, actually, and she said, what keeps you as a coach motivated and engaged? You know, what if you, what if you have a couple losing seasons? How do you continue to stay motivated um, getting through the doldrums? 
Well, like we said before, uh, Coach, uh, I don't think you uh, or many of uh, many of us uh, go into this profession to win state championships or to win, you know, 20 games. So, you know, it would be nice. Uh, and again, uh, you have to realize that unlike us, I could go out and recruit and bring in some new players. You know, I had 10 scholarships in high school. You play with the, the hand that was dealt to you. Um, and I think a lot of times, unless uh, you were at a place where I was early central high school with, with the history, the reputation, a lot of the inner city uh, kids that, you know, we would get, you know, from different also from different uh, uh, towns like Hooksett, Candy, and back then in Harvard. So, you know, I would have uh, a much better hand to play with going into the season, let's say, than Concord High School on a, on a continuing basis or, um, or Keene. Uh, so I think you're getting into the profession for the right reasons. Uh, you can win by changing one kid's life. Uh, as you said before, the comment, if you, if you in five or six years, eight years, get invited to a wedding or to a birthday party, or even if you get a call and, you know, and one kid says, hey, coach, how are you doing? Especially during this pandemic thing, you'd be surprised how many emails I've received. Hey, coach, you're doing okay? Rob Paternostro just yesterday from England <clears throat> asked me, you know, how's the family? And to me, that means more than the final four appearances that I had with Rob uh, for the, you know, for the four years, you know, he was here. So I think you're in it for the right reasons and the wins will come as, as uh, the talent gets better in Concord. Uh, because again, you don't have uh, of being at Pinkerton or, or, you know, one of the Nashua schools <coughs> or, or, you know, or central. I know a lot of things have changed, you know, over the years, but uh, my advice to you is win every practice, uh, win every moment with these kids. And if these kids can leave your practice or a game and they've done their best and you have given your best, you're a winner. Valuable, valuable advice. Thank you. Um, I want to talk about the kids and you kind of mentioned you know um, appreciating those individuals where can we tap into the the ability for the the actual players that are on the court um, and actually access their knowledge and their ability around the game to kind of uh, use them as a source to put in to our our program, our philosophy, because they're the ones that are actually out there fighting. You know, they're, they're at the frontier and we're trying to, we're trying to orchestrate what we can, what we know about the game. Obviously we're, you know, we're leaders and we have a good knowledge base, but they are on the court. So how do we kind of access that or did you at all um, over the years? Yes. Uh, and things have changed. Um, I feel sorry for high school coaches. Uh, throughout the country now, it, not in all uh, situations. I just think for someone like yourself, uh, getting a kid that's played all summer a AAUs, you have to undo <laughs> a lot of things because they get they have a whole different perception of what high school basketball is all about versus summer basketball. This is why my last ten years 
uh, I didn't recruit AAU kids or or from an AAU program. I would wait until they played either in high school or in prep school. And you have to undo, you know, and the other thing is, hey, coach, we were getting such and such for gear, sneakers. Well, we don't have anything at Concord. We don't have anything, you know. <laughs> and you have to undo, you know, a lot of that stuff where <clears throat> playing team, uh, defending, <laughs> uh, separating the me with a we. Uh, so uh, I was fortunate um, that, you know, once, once you have kids with character, they recruit kids with character. You know, I, uh, you know, I know, you know, in my situation, <clears throat> when I would bring a kid in for a visit and they would stay for the 48 hours, a lot of times one of my character kids that they were staying with would come to coach. This kid will not fit in, into our program, will not fit into our system, so even though he's talented. Culture. I'm sorry? That's like an established culture that you That's have. That's an established culture. And it's going to take a lot more time for you in high school because you're dealing with different scenarios. You're dealing with not only the kids, you're dealing with the parents. You're dealing with uh, experiences from coming from an AAU program where, you know, hey, I averaged 20. <laughs> how come you're telling me not to shoot you know every time I touch it or you know control the dribble for two or three minutes until I can't go any further uh, so you're dealing with different things um, uh, on our level like I said you can bring <coughs> the hand that was dealt to you so uh, use your kids use your character kids to give you feedback in terms of you know a lot of times and uh, and I've been I was blessed I had great assistance coach Foley was uh, one of my assistants I had uh, Jay Dufour who was with me uh, in high school and for 33 years wow. um, at uh, at Southern New Hampshire University and he I cannot explain the impact, the importance he had in my career, in the in the uh, 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 the relationships that we developed. Because you know, a lot of times as a coach, you might lose focus. You have so much on your plate. A lot of times, you need an assistant that can take over and talk to these kids and say, "Look, you know, listen to the message, not the words that you know coach has given you." They might need another shoulder to lean on and I was fortunate I had character kids and character assistants and Jay you know was my right hand man you know all those years and I wouldn't be you know <clears throat> where I uh, where we went you know without him so align yourself with good assistants uh, get character kids sacrifice some uh, some wins by if they don't conform hey listen see you later I would rather lose and lose my way with the right kids than placate to, you know, <laughs> to someone that, you know, that's not buying it. Nicely said, nicely said. Um, okay, let's get a little bit specific with a basketball practice. What's one of your favorite basketball drills um, to run in practice? Something practical, useful. Well, you know, again, uh, I think uh, there's, you know, a couple components here, you know, in terms of 
Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, you hear, you know, defense wins championships, you cannot win. But on the, the bottom line is you have to score. Uh, yep. So certainly defense is great. But if, you know, if you're keeping people to 50 and they're getting 53, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to work. So you have to have a balance. So I think, you know, uh, you know, all the defensive drills that you do, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, I think the most important drills you can do, especially nowadays with a game that's, that is open where you have five out mm -hmm. or maybe four out and one in, you have to do drills to keep the ball in front of you. Mm -hmm. You know, I know all that help is great and help, help, help. But on our level, and I'm sure in high school right now, you can help all you want. But if they kick and the three goes up and goes in at a 33% rate, it's like scoring 50% from twos. So you can help all you want. you got to get them to the point where they got to keep the ball in front of them. Yeah, I, one of the common themes, I said contain a lot of times this season. Contain the ball and require less help because once that breaks down, it, it leads to a lot of madness. So if you can keep your guy contained, that'll help a lot. There, there, there's no question. And then the other thing where we had problems on our level, especially, you know, with, you know, our league was off guard, is uh, getting back on defense and closing down the court. Mm -hmm. uh, stop the opposition from from uh, from playing in open spaces. Mm. Get all, all the way back. Keep the ball in front of you. Get five guys behind the ball, and uh, stop there. Now, on the offensive end, I think uh, the drills uh, that are important, especially if you have a couple shooters, is being able to get the ball into the paint and kick it out. Mm -hmm. uh, Second and most important thing, the number one killer in basketball, I think, is the dribble. Mm -hmm. Keep the ball off the floor. <laughs> it, it is amazing, especially, you know, with the summer AAU stuff or the stuff they see on TV. They control the ball until, you know, they can't go any further, and then they decide to pass. Well, the defense, and I think you know, is in position now to play. Uh, keep your options open by not putting the ball on the floor. You can do three things in basketball. Shoot, dribble, and pass. If you eliminate the dribble right away, now you can only two, two out of the three. And uh, as many drills as you can do is telling them about misusing the dribble and being able to use the dribble to get people the right shots. Very nice. Yeah, going inside and out is, is so important. and. You know, the same. Hey, coach, you know, I'm not doing anything sometimes in the winter. I'll come up. You know, maybe we can, you know, spend some time talking about some of the drills and going over some of the things we were doing and then take whatever <clears throat> you think is useful and, and discard the rest flowing down South Merrimack River. <laughs> that would be so great. I would, I would appreciate that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tap into that for sure. Okay. Um, so as we're, as we're finishing up here, let's, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now and, and move kind of back to the family a little bit, a couple more minutes here. Um, you said you got six grandkids and you're a papu. So, um, what are you doing with your time now? Um, are you still connected to basketball? 
Um, what's going on? No, you know, I have uh, three grandkids here in Bedford that we're spending a lot of time with. Uh, I know now it's difficult with this uh, pandemic. And then I have um, three grandkids in Ohio, uh, and we spend a lot of time out there. You know, uh, I don't know if you know my son-in-law uh, is the football coach at Ohio State. Oh, okay. So, you know, so we spend, you see, I don't know if you can see that. Yes, yes, wow, <laughs> wow. Yeah, so uh, so we spend a lot of time in Ohio. We go, I went to five games last year. You know, went to the uh, championship game in Indianapolis. You know, the Big Ten, uh, and then out in Arizona for the uh, game against Clemson. And uh, that said, not involved in basketball other than you know going to see my grandkids. They're participating now. Uh, Actually, one of my grandsons is playing up in Concord at, you know, for Joey Craig's, you know, program up there. Yep. Um, and then uh, my oldest grandson in Ohio, he's into basketball and football and uh, spending some time, you know, with him going over some drills. He has, you know, a court in the back. And that's about it. That's my extent in terms of basketball. That's great. Um, let me ask you a couple of favorite questions. Get a little personal. What is what is um, a good movie or a good book to focus on as everyone's sitting home here during the pandemic? Well, uh, a good movie. Uh, I don't know how many times I've seen Hoosiers. Yeah, <laughs> I think Hoosiers is a great movie for for this time. Yeah, and um, a good book. I just finished uh, Seeker Dog uh, about Nike. And how oh, yes. uh, Phil Knight started. It's a great book, great read. And uh, <clears throat> he started by selling 16 pairs of sneakers for the back of his trunk. And I didn't realize that <clears throat> Exeter, New Hampshire, had a big impact in saving his company. Really? Uh, it almost went belly up because they couldn't uh, produce shoes here. And, in America, they were getting them from China and also from Japan. And um, I forget the gentleman's name in uh, Exeter. They opened up a plant in Exeter and actually saved, saved Nike, which oh. is, it's a great read. Sneaky. How, you know, Nike, you know, became, uh, and also being a Greek word, he was traveling right out of college, out of Stanford, and he went up to the Parthenon, the Acropolis, and he saw the statue of Athena with Nike, which in Greek means victory. Oh. So he named it Nike Vic you must have, victory. You must have loved that. Yeah, no, it was a great <laughs> book. So if you have a chance, read it. Sneaker dog. All right. And speaking yes. of Greece, what's a good Greek food we can make at home during this time? Uh, probably the best Greek food you can make uh, at home is I like stuffed peppers. Stuffed peppers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or uh, Greek soup, that abuelamino soup is, is good. So, Very nice. So, uh, get a Greek cookbook. All of them are great. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, hey, I so appreciate the time. Uh, I'm definitely going to be contacting you to come up to Concord and, and work with us a little bit if you can. And uh, thank you so much for spending time. Really appreciate it. No problem, James. Listen, best of luck, man. You stay strong. Stay healthy. Cheers. Stay Okay. See ya.
Okay, be good.